Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. This is episode 130-130. I am so excited and so humbled to have this incredible duo on the show. You might have heard them before. They've been making big waves for the past couple years, and it's truly an honor. Episode 130 features none other than Jekyll and Hyde, and this is a name you need to add to the Rolodex if you aren't familiar already. Such a great interview, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear their story. Like I said, they've really, really been making moves over the past couple years, and I've had some big wins in 2020, even with everything that they're up against, so it was so cool to talk to them. In episode 130, we talked about their early beginnings and love for music, and of course, how they came together and the inspiration behind their name, Jekyll and Hyde. We also talked about their journey through sound and over the past couple of years, how they really developed their sonic identity to make it what it is now. What is the Jekyll and Hyde sound? Now they've had a slew of incredibly successful releases over the past couple of years and I wanted to ask them what it feels like to release on such massive labels in the dubstep game like Circus, Bygor, and most recently, Subsidia, Excision's new label. That is absolutely massive, guys. Congrats again. Of course, I wanted to ask them about the current state of the music industry and how they've been staying creative and motivated with live shows out of the picture. It's no secret, electronic music community has been hit hard because live shows are such an integral part of an artist's success. But these guys have a plan and it's making good music and I really, really like their attitude on it. Like I said, guys, I'm so humbled and honored to have Jekyll and Hyde on the show. They are really, really motivated, inspiring, creative. I love their energy, and I cannot wait till this is all over so I can be front row at a show as soon as possible. Thanks again for coming on, guys, and enough of me talking. Let's let the guys tell their story for themselves. This is episode 130 with Jekyll and Hyde. All right, Jekyll and Hyde, you guys got a drink in your hand, right? Cheers. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for making some time, guys. I'm really excited about this. Hell yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, big fan before we got on, so it's an honor. I'm humbled. You guys are having a huge year, all things considered, not with live shows in the mix, but I mean, I've been talking to a lot of DJs and producers and, and just trying to stay creative and motivated during this time is tough, so I want to acknowledge you guys for continuing to push forward, release music really up against the biggest wall music i appreciate that for yeah, sure you. yeah definitely something that i feel like a lot of people are struggling with at the moment too and it is i would say we're still like battling it but i appreciate that it's nice to hear mm, and yeah. it has been a big focus of ours i would say to continue to release music for sure as well as just keep producing during this time Course, man. Yeah. Doing? Pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, though, not having like shows is definitely a little bit of like a financial hit, but like other than that, I mean, 
feel like it's kind of just a battle against yourself, like, music-wise, like, trying to put stuff out during Corona, because it's really kind of the same game. It's just, there's not really, like, that aspect of shows, so you're almost just more focused on, like, music releases or just, like, overall content every day. I think a lot of people, too, are, like, at doing more to stand out in a sense or try to do so such as like live streaming playing video games discord interacting with fans in different ways um we've definitely been trying to do more of that and i would say overall we are doing pretty good for me mostly too the overall quarantine and staying in hasn't bothered me too much because my like main time of going out would be when we're playing shows on the weekends and other than that i'm pretty much like a homebody producing and hanging out playing video games smoking weed like so it hasn't been insanely different definitely some days it is a little bit like disappointing just because we did have some exciting things that we were planning on doing and like even right before or right pretty much after things got shut down we were supposed to go play in Miami for this DPMO takeover thing with Funk Case, and it was going to be like Versus first show in person. And that got canceled. And I feel like at that time, we were kind of like, oh, it's okay to have one hit. We'll see what happens in a few <laughs> months. Like yeah. some of these other shows might yeah. still come through. Yeah, and at now that it's... time, we were like, oh, this show got canceled. Like we still have another one in April, but then like they all got canceled. <laughs> It's definitely been a little bit tough with that, but I would say been doing well and also been, I feel like both of us and it's helped moving houses and just getting into a new headspace, but just kind of um, not necessarily having the pressure. I feel like especially at the beginning of everything locking down, so many people were trying to reiterate the fact that like, oh, this is the perfect time to do master a new task or, like, produce as many songs as possible. But in my mind, it's almost a better time to, like, stop doing that just make sure you're doing good and, like, living clear. I think it's given us a lot of time to reconnect with a lot of people, family, friends, other artists even, in ways that we might not have been able to prior, or everyone is so busy normally with touring going on that, like, even for us, it's given us time to sit down and do things we typically wouldn't be able to do, whether it be, like, lessons, feedback for people, going through demo emails of songs that are sent to us. And I can only imagine even on, like, a greater scale with bigger artists that it is allowing more time for stuff like that. So it's kind of been nice to be able to connect with people in that way too. And I mean, like at the end of the day, it is affecting everyone in the industry, which is kind of the bright side where it's like everyone is feeling the same thing. Totally. It's, you said a few interesting things there that have come up uh, in different ways. A lot of times with people like, there is the, the middle ground where this is a time to perfect your craft, find a new hobby, do that thing you didn't want to do. And also at the other end, it's a time where we've never had this sort of time. Like, I don't even know how else to say it, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. cooking more. I'm spending time with my girlfriend more than I ever have. Like, yeah, 
eating. I'm finding out new things about myself. And also at the same time, too, um, it is nice to know because the music industry is really competitive. You guys know that. You make a lot of friends along the way. But at the end of the day, you're going for the top. And now that everybody's on the bench, that's kind of how what I've been saying, right? Like, this is the off season for however long. Um, we're yeah. just looking at music in a different way. And consumers are looking at music in a different way. So it's interesting you said artists are playing video games. Artists are doing different types of live space, different types of sets. So you're seeing yeah. this other side of artists, actually, which has been really interesting. And yeah, I also feel like some artists are taking different amounts for shows for some of these drive-ins because, like... It's just, like, some of the ones that are getting, like, I don't want to, like, obviously name names, and I don't know anything, but, like, just viewing it as a whole, yeah. I'm just like, hmm, like, this person that, like, I know that, like, promotes shows, like, wouldn't, like, pay this much for this person, but this person would come play here, you know what I mean? Like, but I also feel like it's kind of, like, one of those things where that's the only show you're going to get, so, you know, if you want to play a drive-in show, maybe you might have to, like, compromise, maybe you might have to, like, play a different one to, like, in terms of like financial stuff but like not that any of that matters it's just interesting to see like who is like, still able to play like a lot of like drive-in shows i can't remember if it was ace aura i probably said his name wrong or one of the other guys or control freak i can't remember which one it was but they just played it one of them just played a show here in denver like one of those drive-in ones and i looked on their instagram and they've got like five others like lined up and i'm like hmm that's like interesting that like someone's playing you know a month's worth of shows all drive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think assumptions like that are to a certain extent, because you guys know, you make some sacrifices to get shows here and there, right? But, like, it is monetary, and there are people... There is a demand, right? Like, there wouldn't be driving shows. Oh, definitely. Oh. Absolutely, exactly. Right? People are chomping at the bit, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. People want something. Yeah, exactly. that's been the interesting thing about live streams where in the beginning, April, May, uh, anybody could live stream. Everybody was live streaming. And it's funny because oh, it's yeah. been around, but only until we couldn't play live shows, people started doing it. And yeah. when I started doing when I started to really think about it, especially with your guys' type of music and like I, I'm traditionally a house DJ and a house producer, how many people oh, cool. are watching these live streams? are watching it either A, on their TV, B, on their laptop, C, on their phone. They are not getting that speaker experience, man, right? So yeah. Have, oh, yeah. Like, I, I, as like a fan myself, I'm a fan first, and it was hard to enjoy those because I don't have, like, I, I have, like, actually one time I have a sub pack and, like, nice, uh -huh. <laughs> like, hooked up my computer yeah. and watched some show with the sub pack on. And I was, oh, that's cool. I was like, okay, well, this, I don't think everybody has to listen to a show, but I'm like, dude, dude, you know who loves, you know who loves sub packs? Who? Fucking fun case. That <laughs> motherfucker loves sub packs. Yeah, he's like a brand ambassador for them. He'll like sit on a plane with like a sub pack and be playing like Call of Duty or something, like just like full blast. And like, if you were to like test it out, you're like, how is this possible? <laughs> dude, and looks like. That is it's like genius as well, though, because like you're yeah. just like totally in it, you know. It's honestly the first time you put it on people. It's kind of like uh, like if you come to my apartment and I know you haven't put the sub pack on. I just I'm like, I'm gonna come to my room real quick. I gotta show you something. Put it yeah, on. Yeah. Heavy bass song, and they're like, "Fuck, this is crazy!" Cool. Like you guys, you guys have put it on before. Like it takes a lot of the the frequencies on the higher ends out of the headphones that usually kind of like 
thinking not cloud things, but the sun yeah, definitely can cold. like muddy it up for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not really clear, and you feel the bass rather than hear it in your ears. Yeah, so, it's such an interesting concept. I really yeah. like it. It really is, no, and and it, it seems like an expense, and they are expensive, right? But um, I've convinced so many people to buy them. DJs that I know, especially now in the pandemic, who love DJing. And they, you can't DJ in your headphones for that long, man. Like after you after you do the bedroom festivals by yourself, you know, for the first two three years of DJing, you're like, okay, I can't keep DJing by myself like this anymore. Yeah. Right? Well, that's how it goes. Yeah. That's funny that he does that. That's a little interesting fact. The yeah. <laughs> loves big gamer though. Big gamer. Yeah. He's always balling with the uh, Switch, the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah, that thing's actually sweet. I kind of like wrote it off when I saw it for the first time, and then when I saw it in person and tried it, I was like, "Hey, this thing's dope." <laughs> <laughs> you have like everything you need. You don't need a TV. You don't need a cable. Like you just need your switch, you know, charged. Dude, and so it's like your friend walks in, like word, pop off the controller from the screen, like <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Hell yeah, man. Well, I got so many questions to ask you guys that you brought up Funk Case, of course. You've had them in collaboration, but we're here to get your guys' full story, man. So I want to start at the beginning. Are you guys, you guys said before we got on air, both from Denver. When did you guys actually meet? Were you both born in Denver then? Yeah, we, we went to high school together. Nice. Um, basically, like, we met when, like, kind of like around, like, our junior, senior year of high school. And we were like both kind of like like Luke has been producing since he was like like a lot younger than like high school, and I had been like DJing basically since I was a kid, which is like weird, but like I just kind of always like did it in like these little like camps that my parents put me in, and then fucking I had CDJs in high school, and Luke wanted to just like get better at DJing and didn't like basically had like a controller or something, and then. That had happened, like, a lot. Like, kids from other high schools would, like, hit me up, and we'd, like, make so many CDJs just because we could. And, like, me, Luke, and this other kid, Jeff, you might know him, isn't it? He goes by Juf. Um, yeah. Yeah, we all went to the same high school, and we would fucking, like, just mix a lot and, like, on my CDJs. And then Luke got some XDJs, and that was like, kind of, like, the start of our friendship. But, like, music-wise, um, when we moved to Icon, like, me and Luke, like, nerded out a lot for sure <clears throat> and we actually like played a show like our sep like separate names but like as a back-to-back -back. and then after that like we kind of started talking about like doing like stuff together because it was just so cool and like we were already like kind of headed that direction like living together going to the same music school like very similar taste so i think we just kind of and it was conveniently around the time that rhythm was getting really big like you know 2016 yeah like, it was already a thing, for sure, and I was going to, like, small little shows in high school with Luke, but, like, and I it was really, was... like, blowing up when we were an icon, and that was a big deal at icon, too. Like, it was like a, was yeah, like a... it was, like, a big part of even our influence, too, I would say, in, like, DJing styles and, like, chopping and um, just the whole kind of culture that's now been built around the word and yeah. rhythm and all of that but right just like making it may it reminds me of like old blood thinner sets old shivers sets obey mm -hmm. like 
just some of these people back in the day in this small room Cervantes in Denver. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like that kind of definitely helped push where we wanted to go sonically kind of and yeah. what the like what the energy we really strove for was and more or less. Me and Luke, I guess, also is like a key point, but something we never really talk about. We shared like the same vision. Like I remember when like when he mentioned Cervantes, I remember this night that like Twelfth Planet came with like a bunch of these really small rhythm artists and we were just kinda like, what the fuck? And we like had this conversation about how like rhythm's gonna be like big like and everybody was saying this shit, but me and him like were really like in gel with the same like opinions of like they're all like playing out these artists that like nobody has ever fucking heard of and then it happens like more and more and then all of a sudden like me and him were talking about Twelfth Planet or like a bigger artist making like a rhythm song and then, you know, what's that what's that Twelfth Planet song? Big Rhythm Monster. Big Rhythm Monster, yeah. yeah. So like shit like that. Yeah. And like, I don't know. We just kind of like became really good friends over dubstep, which is a weird thing to say, but yeah. Yeah. And then I would say it definitely just transpired through that in like icon definitely taught us a lot of things just about the way we wanted to go about the brand, I think overall and how just different things to consider kind of taking it from the idea that before school, I wouldn't even say we thought this directly, but more or less didn't just know what all had to go into a music project and thought it was as simple as like making a song, uploading it to SoundCloud for lack of a better like explanation. And I think Icon, yeah, really opened the door to us for like all these new ways to kind of think about it. Meeting a few different people. We met our manager who we're still currently with, Brandon Shack. We met him in LA. Um, side thing too about icon if you're not like listening to what the teachers tell you there'll be someone like going to the school that's like utilizing all the like branding shit and you're like wow like this dude's killing it it's not like his music is bad and he's just good at like branding it's just like a whole like picture you know what i mean and that's another thing about the school too i feel like is you learn so much from the kids that you're going to school with like i was going to the school with this kid that I literally met at a taco shop, like down the street from Icon, who had a Facebook backpack on. His name's Cody. You'll probably have heard of him. He goes by Somnium Sound. Yeah. And Dude, literally, he was wearing a Facebook backpack, and I was like, "Oh, where'd you get that backpack? Like, did you work there?" And he was like, "Yeah, I worked there for like a little bit." And like, you know, you just become friends with people, and then you they like show you their music, and you're like hanging out in someone's apartment. And you're just like, right. "What the fuck, dude?" Run like, into these people, and I'd say like in that instance, it's been cool too because there have been some people. Like Cody Somnium Sound is he was in school a little before I was, like during I think the same time as Duke. Seeing him do so well now has been awesome and like songs with sudden death, touring with him. Um another one who was in the same like class or time frame as I was, he was in like morning class and I was in night class, but Kayvon, if you've heard of him, he just had two tracks on the excision thing. Yeah, yeah. He does more like future bassy stuff, some and just kind of all over like melodic y stuff. Uh he went there and then like Effin is the other artist I can think of who's doing pretty well right now. Um but it's it's really cool to see like the progression. And I mean there's more there's probably a handful of names too that I can't even think of, but just seeing these people go from 
kind of in the same situation we were, not necessarily like lost or directionless, but like coming to Icon with just such a fresh canvas of like, wow, we want to do music. We're committing our time to it. Now this is what we need to do. And through like, I would say relationships there, that's where we really took the Jekyll and Hyde project like seriously into another level. And at the same time, extra to learn from some of the kids there. Like I don't know how else to say it, but it's like you finish school and you're like, damn, that was dope. Like I just, I want to go fucking do this like forever or whatever. Like something that they teach you that's like revolutionary or whatever. And then you just like go to these things called like office hours that are after the classes that are optional, but they're like going on all day. So you'd be stupid not to go. Yeah. And like some of the kids show their songs and show things they did in the song, and then you're just like fuck what I, like, learned in class. Like, this is fucking insane. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just, like, that happens, like, every day. You're you just know? surrounded so. by producers for pretty much a straight-up year. <laughs> and it's, it's... And everybody's, quite... like, in the same headspace. Like yeah. Said. Like, you can... they really weed out the kids yeah. who... Yeah. It's not like yeah. DJ did the club. It's like, we produce music. As exactly. A Icon is something of its own, man. I, I've interviewed many people who have been to Icon. And the coolest thing to me is not only do they give you the opportunity to make music, learn the different aspects of, of different DAWs and, and all the just ins and outs, right? But the business side of it, right? Uh, a guy I know, he, he told me that you review contracts for labels. You talk, yeah, about, definitely. You talk about logos. You talk about media presence. <laughs> you guys know we came up in a time where you can't just release on SoundCloud, right? You remember like 2010, 2011, 2012? Fucking people like Capslap and Blau would go on tour off of <laughs> mashup on SoundCloud. They didn't have. You could shit. actually, yeah. You could actually go down the fucking feed of Dubstep.net and hear like good songs. Exactly. And then it just becomes like flooded with like crap, and then they have like everybody has a Spotify, and then everybody has a fucking. Yeah, know. it was very interesting, and I would say it helped us a lot. In we released that first song our first ever label release was with funk case on dpmo is a song called midnight orchestra yep and we made it like right around the end of icon and signed it while we were still in school and even then like it was nice to be able to reach out to teachers and just be like could you look at this contract i know it's not legal advice and you're not gonna you can't tell me anything but if there's any red flags like let me know i'm new at this and i would say still some of those relationships still stand. Like, I feel like if there was something Duke and I ran into that we didn't have the resources or our manager didn't to figure something out, we could reach out to someone from the school and just run it by them, depending on what the situation is. But it's definitely really cool. And I would say the other kind of neat perk is that you do get, like, access forever to the studio. So if we do, like... Anytime we're in LA, we can swing by, and they just haven't. They just built a new building and like get studio time. So that was kind of part of the other incentive to be like, well, this is definitely worth it. We were definitely at a fortunate time to go there too, because this dude, uh, his name's Leo Course, and he was basically like overseeing and was the agent for like everything on Disciple, every artist on Disciple. Like he was exclusively like their agent, and but he was like honestly a really good dude and like had just been a manager and an agent well not a manager sorry an agent for so long that like when he would come into like music business class and talk about shit you're just like 
Like you couldn't get a fucking enough of it because you're just like so. Yeah, you just want more Leo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, I would say along with even and he a ended few up others, leaving, like, yeah, a few other not teachers. for like a salty reason, just because he's like doing bigger shit. Like I remember, I think he started his own started agency. his own agency. Yeah. Like he's not he's carried a couple of the guys from Disciple, but like you know, that's what happens too. Like some of these teachers are like. Like, you're so lucky to, like, even have them for, like, a little bit, you know? And I remember learning just throughout the year that, like, the songwriting teachers were all, like, so low-key, but they were writing songs for, like, really big pop artists, and they had, had, like, these weird, like, meditative, like, mind, like, um, like, frames of mind. Like, they're really mellow, and they, like, felt music in a different way because they just care about, like, the meaning of the song and, like, it's a, the yeah, lyrics. And, so like, they don't, about, like, they, getting some in don't play an instrument, you know, they don't produce right. a thing, they just write. And I'm like, that's, it, like, becomes a different, like, thing, for sure. And it's just, I like... That. You know what you mean? That's crazy. Yeah. So, so you guys, as you, you obviously met, you went to Icon together, you were hanging out, you started doing back-to-backs, one of you guys started DJing, one of you guys started producing together, too. When did you guys say, like, okay, let's create this duo and then on top of that how did the name Jekyll and Hyde come together I mean everybody knows the story and it's actually I, I I know the story and I forgot about it so I read it and it's unpredictability and dual nature outwardly good but also sometimes shockingly evil and I was like that's exactly the type of music these guys do. yeah exactly Dude, honestly I feel like I, I should have mentioned too like we both were producing in high school but that was like kind of how we met is like we were both producing but like we started like DJing together just because I had CDJs. Like that was just how we met. But then we became friends and shit. And like, then it was like almost. And at the time, I was producing in Reason. I was getting taught by this guy. His name's Lewis. He from goes by, Coffee or Coffee. He goes, from he goes by Coffee. Club. Yeah. Uh, but um, his name's Lewis. He's really cool. He was living in Denver and he just posted on his personal Facebook like, "Yo, I'm teaching lessons like in person. Like I think it was like fifty bucks an hour or something like that. Like something." super doable you know and i just got into it that way and luke had already been like in ableton you know and i started ableton like right when i got to icon and i'd been doing reason up until then like the songs that i used to get in, accepted in icon that i sent to them that like everybody does that that they probably don't wager too much into the equation it's more about going out there for the interview and all that stuff but anyways I was still producing in Reason, and then it, that's another reason me, me and Luke became, like, really good friends at Icon, because once he got there, I was kind of going into my, like, last term of, like, because he, he got there six months after I was going into my last term, and since he already knew Ableton, he was, like, really helpful and shit, and I don't know, we were just kind of, like, always, like, doing shit together, and since I had already gone through the first term, like, I had, like, could help him out with some of his, like, homework or whatever, like... Right. And the name, it's we've definitely gotten that question a few times. It's crazy how it actually like came to be, but our good buddy who we live with now currently and um, from high school as well, but he does all the graphic work for us as well as for monks and shivers and everything from like cover arts um banners videos all the way to like our tour visuals Mm -hmm. he does that stuff and animates that he we were just like we had the solid idea that we were gonna want to do this together and as like a group and we just were thinking of a name and kind of ran it by grant 
and he suggested Jekyll and Hyde because of the sense of duality, kind of. Yeah. And that it is more or less like a name that people are familiar with mm-hmm. and it rolls off the tongue and it's like something that catches your eye, but it's not necessarily too overblown of a story. Like there's not there mm-hmm. there's not too many instances of it being used modernly in like a brand sense. And yeah. there were really no dubstep musicians we saw at the time who had anything similar so we thought that that really kind of allowed us to not be drawn into one particular style of music per se and i would say that as time has gone on that's became less of a thing where a producer i think more producers now are extremely versatile and making a lot of different kinds of music but we just never wanted that to be a dictating thing of what you're going to experience from us and kind of more or less like vision wise, I would say a really good inspiration and comparison to kind of what we want to do big picture long term is like similar to the way Zed's dead has built kind of this culture behind them. And when you go to a show more or less, you're like, it you're not paying attention to the genre you're hearing as much as you are like a Zed's Dead show. And one thing that's captivated me about them for a long time is that when you go, they play a lot of other people's music, Mm -hmm. but rarely do the songs sound like they couldn't potentially be a Zed's Dead song or like fit in the Zed's Dead universe. So it's almost this like concept of, taste and like and yeah like a Jekyll and Hyde universe that we want to <laughs> immerse everyone in and we thought that that name off the bat gave us a lot of opportunity to do that and to expand not only with the known past Jekyll and Hyde story like the play the musical all that mm-hmm. but as well as taking that into our own way with the whole concept of it and i mean also the fact that we're a duo i'm not gonna lie has played into that hugely because we were like we want something that when you read it it sounds like there's two people up there like you yeah it just makes sense and i remember too like when i moved into luke's apartment after school ended i was like literally living in like the living room with like some fucking curtains and like we were in a group (laughs) message with grant and um we and me and him were just coming up with such bad names. Grant was gonna try and Grant was actually already starting to do some logos on some trash names that we don't even probably remember yeah. now. And he was just like, "What about this?" And also, like, side story for Grant, like he's kind of like a little bit of a film buff. I don't want to speak for him, but like, kind of into some of that stuff, you know. And like, it totally makes sense that he would have like mentioned a name like Jekyll and Hyde with like an old book and like. He's yeah, definitely the type of dude to come in your room yeah. and be like, yo, I found this crazy yeah. vocal sample Sounds that you should use in, from this like, movie. And we're like, like, this is obviously it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like literally everything we had been looking for. Because it's like Jekyll and Hyde is like also just, I guess, the good and the bad for like a really simple way of looking at it. Because, you know, you have, like, two characters. One is technically good, one's technically bad. That but, duality, I Yeah, so we kind of figured was. that was a way of, like, us being able to do whatever we want musically. Even though most of our stuff is, like, kind of darker. What, we try and, like, have, like, you know, 
brighter intros, whatever. Like, it's just kind of, like, it's became just a vibe now. It doesn't, it like, have, like, a certain, like, outline, I guess. You guys have done a great job. And, and like you said, I mean, you guys mentioned a sonic identity earlier, right? And, and I think that's something that is difficult to do, especially in the beginning stages. But running through your guys' discography, man, that's what I'm going to talk about now. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I can't believe it's already almost the end of 2020. But you guys, um, in my opinion, each release has a little something that has the foundation, the pillars of, of Jekyll and Hyde. But there's something better about it. Like every release, there's a little something better, 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 better. And it's really cool, you know, to have been following you guys for that long and see you now and, and just like... You guys are a tangible story for producers to make it, man. And you guys have stayed true. Yeah. You guys saw the future, bro. Like, you were right. Like, you guys Thank were you. right on the cusp of rhythm, dude, in 2016, man. I mean, seriously, 2017, Midnight Orchestra, right? And then yeah. you had three releases that year. So how was 2017? You guys finished? You guys stayed in L.A. that year? You released that? Yeah. Track, you graduated. What was that even like for you guys, like as a duo, learning each other, how you work in the studio, starting this brand, it's a new thing. That was finishing up, and it was actually quite the interesting time, because like 2017 to in January to summer, because I finished school at Icon in summer of 2017, Duke finished in January. Mm-hmm. Little like crazy fact, his lease ended six months before mine obviously and he we were just thinking like well we're just getting this started we don't really want to be apart so he literally moved into my apartment and used curtains like heavy duty shower curtains to section off the dining room and turn it into a bedroom yeah. And I had and I had my fucking Yamaha set up in there. Just and like my, a tiny studio. Like on setup. chairs. And then I had a chair like cut off as like a desk technically, like oh, with a uh focus right or whatever. And then when my so it was like six months of that, which ended up working out in the long run, and I'm really glad it happened because it would have probably been harder if he went home and then tried to come back. But then we ended up we ended up getting a place and it was me duke and then four or five other roommates at one point in time and they were pretty much all from icon either my former roommates duke's former roommate and then one friend of ours from high school who was going to film school lived out in glendale california like a little little east of north hollywood um and that was i'd say it was a good time too because it was when we first kind of had totally our own spaces we had a house so we didn't have to worry about noise that was the biggest problem that we had in the apartments right because unlike a sub pack i just have a fat ass subwoofer (laughs) so it'll just let the neighbors know that we are making music and (laughs) having a house was incredible for that um and just kind of a lot of also figuring out like i think it set in for me really hard when we when i got out of icon that was just like all right well now it's like on you to do this shit like you don't have school every day you don't have teachers telling you that if you want to do music you got to make it happen and throughout the course 
up until like just recently we've just been going house to house each year like with pretty much the same roommates and then evan joystick hopped in the picture after a year after icon and it had just pretty much been like music all the time since then and other than that working side jobs here and there to pay the bills dude you got it's you got you got that I mean, you don't want to say classic, but it's the classic, like, we do what we had to do, man. I love yeah, that. For sure. <laughs> Shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, and I would say that was definitely still, like, a pretty exploratory time in what we were trying to do sonically. We were still definitely learning things. And it's interesting you brought that up about that each song sounds like that, because I think that's also kind of been a staple value for us from the beginning that each release and I would say more or less actual song we produce, but we don't always release the songs in the order we produce them. But like, we always want each song to be better than the last one almost. Yeah. And I think that's something we've really strived for and something that has been throughout probably starting in around 2017 up until even now to this day it's just like constant learning and improving on what we can do as well as like how to be more unique almost and not even unique but just make make what we want to hear like I, I feel like at the end of the day I often find myself listening through our back catalog of released and unreleased songs and just like driving in the car and putting on a mix of our shit and then like feeling the timelessness for some of those tunes. And I would say there's definitely songs that we've put out more or less even before when we had that DPMO release, Midnight Orchestra, before that we went by Jekyll and Hyde but spelt it j-e-k-y-l-l like the full spelling and we had put out a few songs and like looking back it's i I like that they're there and it's cool to see the growth but it's just almost astronomical sometimes listening when i'll (laughs) go back and like listen to those and then play unreleased stuff and i'm just like oh man everyone who hasn't doesn't have this private soundcloud is like in for it in six months to a year when this song <laughs> comes out like guys though 2017 was big and you guys really obviously just hearing that story develop your brand your sound 2018 throwing smoke ep comes out in disciple you also have a eyes on fire zed's dead remix that fucking blasts off on soundcloud bro and of course berserk sun death remix Casual 140k plays on sound or on Spotify, boys. I mean, fuck yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, that was definitely yeah. that was a big time for us, honestly. Yeah, music. And I would say that's like right around in between that 2017 2018 time is when we were introduced to our manager through a mutual friend and. Um, kind of set that up and started more or less like game planning for the project, how we wanted to really do things. Um, it set up that disciple contact through our manager as well as actually shout out Isaiah because he like helped us out a lot in with contacting Rossi, the owner of Disciple, uh, yeah. Myro, and got our music in his hands. 
and that was i'd say just a really big point because it was like damn not only are we getting this funk case song signed which was at the end of the day like just such a crazy opportunity how it even happened because i had just been like dming james about rocket league like not even about music and then one time saw him tweet before dpmo was even like announced being a thing he was like send me music and i dm'd him two songs and then he just responded and was like i want to sign midnight orchestra and it was just like holy shit what like almost surreal and i feel like the disciple ep really like toned in for us like fuck yeah we can we can really like here's four tracks that we feel kind of represent us a little better and like here we are we're and we decided too that we didn't want to be a part of any like particular label as like an exclusive like 360 type deal and and then it was cool because we got you know brandon on board and like brandon was super helpful with all that and we ended up releasing with all those labels not that any of them in particular like wanted us or anything it was just like we proved that it was possible for someone with like themselves and maybe a manager that notices them which is hand like you could handle that and then like you know someone you trust to help you out and you can release on like all of those labels at least as like a single or something but right the berserk remix was tight too i would say that ended up being a bigger tune than we thought it was gonna be definitely like pretty experimental in terms of what people are used to for us i would say like more along the mid-tempo-y and then drum and bass vibes yeah but that i think is literally the reason it won the comp and like we actually made a dubstepy remix of it and then we're just like this isn't we're just gonna scrap this because it's gonna there's no way we're gonna make a better song than the first one (laughs) if it's a dubstep song and i think the different approach really like helped it stick out for that matter as well as kind of introduce us to danny to sudden death and afk and we're pretty like we talk to him pretty frequently now that's awesome big year you you really i mean so 2017 obviously forming declan live we get the sound 2018 we have some big big fucking awards i mean in my opinion right when i always talk about people and getting releases and sort of these like steps that you take like to me, you guys got some fucking chains on, bro. 2018. 2019? <laughs> Start recognizing real, dude. I mean, Bygore, Newsstand Killers. Come on, Blood Thinners. That was fucking sick. You mentioned them earlier. Yeah, what was it that like one was special. Bygore, dude. I mean, that's huge. Pretty chill, yeah. And they're awesome. It's been cool just, I would say, too, in the end of 2018 is when we really started playing bigger shows. Right. And then, like, kind of seeing some of those people, like, I would say Blood Thinners and Decimate are two, three dudes, technically four at the time, because Decimate was also a duo. Now it's just Ryan. But, like, they, we would always see them wherever we were playing. And it kind of it was it was nice to end because of like DPMO having both releases on there in mid, with Midnight Orchestra and then following up with the second with Yoy Boy on there. Yeah, it was pretty. We got some recognition on that tune, like from the Savage Society guys. Blood Thinners were mm-hmm. playing it out. We were kind of like 
sending music back and forth mutually and then that's more or less how i think we were just like let's start a tune yeah and (laughs) that ended yeah they're awesome dudes and every time they kill it every time they play and it was kind of like a cool full circle thing just because we had seen them back in the day it always is a trip when you like crazy how many videos there are at cervantes on youtube they're like you can not only see someone that like we've like worked with or like still huge fans of and that are like now really big and then you can also see like either my tall ass in the crowd like in the video because they're such small shows they're they happened on tuesday nights too uh yeah shout out electronic tuesdays but they don't happen anymore (laughs) sadly um but anyways yeah like it's a that that stuff's always a trip that's why the blood thinners one was really special because like i don't know you can always sense when that type of stuff is going to happen but um yeah yeah, we've just been big fans of them for a while i mean i I thought that was cool man and then when i heard you mention earlier i didn't realize like you had that pass so i really like to hear that full circle stuff Bad dreams though, hundreds of thousands of plays, guys. Yeah, same yeah. same concept with Decimate. Like yeah. it was yeah. just like becoming mutual friends with him. All the Savage Society boys are pretty tight with like monks and our manager Brandon and Shivers. Like they're all pretty good friends. So we definitely would hang around them, see them at shows, and I would say that just kind of like hit it off and really fuck with like still to this day ryan is making really sick shit for decimate there's some crazy tunes and same with jono who was part of the duo at the time and now does his own project redline but like they they both are great producers and great people and we always had like such a fun time whenever we saw them so i think that just kind of also happened in such a mutual manner where it was like we're just sending tunes back and forth for months and then we're like we should get something together and see what happens with it yeah and it ended up being yeah pretty a good one and i would say it was cool too just to have like kind of that follow-up on disciple yeah to be like well here's this ep we put out a year ago and now this tune's like even bigger yeah yeah exactly what i meant earlier man like you guys you guys i mean you stuck the flags in the ground right but like you kept going and I think that's hard to do, man. You like it's 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 possible to have a great release, right? As a as a producer, and it's even harder to continue following that up on that sort of level of label, that sort of level of production. Was it what was it like for you guys then having these wins? Did you feel the pressure? Did you guys motivate each other? What was it like in the studio, like having um, that? You know what I mean? I think with the shows, it was a little bit. Yeah, easier, which may, would which would sound weird. I feel like to just anybody, but well, not like it's like. Anyways, I just think that helped a lot because we were really busy at the time. Like we were always like, like we were busy enough to where like I mean, shout out Brandon by the way, but Brandon's always like helped us out with music releases. But we were so busy at that time where we were like, sometimes couldn't always like focus on everything for like the proper amount of time and like. You know, it was like we definitely had like music releases like in the works and and I think just playing playing songs out at shows being distracted. I think another thing that kind of has always kept us going is that like throughout and this is due to Icon, I think, and some teachers just saying like if you want to be successful, two out of every ten songs you make are going to be hits. The rest are going to be trash, and you got to deal with that. And like you just got to make them. 
So, like, we've had and have and I know continue, will continue to just have such a hefty back catalog of unreleased music. Like, I'd say starting about the end of 2017, we were probably sitting on, like, 20-plus songs that hadn't come out yet. So then that that was a good feeling just in the sense that if we do get a little swamped like with shows with releases we have things to fall back on and then at the same time seeing these releases do well not only was like a confidence booster production wise but i would say really like evident to us and showed results when we did start playing shows like the the first half of 2019 is when we really started playing like a pretty good amount of shows and we're doing like every other weekend with monks yeah and then it only kind of started picking up from there to where we like did the world of wonk tour with him mm-hmm. and i think that was just motivating in itself that like we can if we keep making tunes and stay on top of it then it'll only like go up and i think broadcast too i believe came out in like march of 2019 and that was just a really fucking cool one because never say die has always been such a heavy influence and not even to like rank labels per se but at that point it had felt like we'd crossed so many things off the list like we'd released with circus twice with dpmo we'd released with bygore twice with the blood thinners and then a point blank collab um and then disciple twice we were like never say die is the only one remaining on like this dubstep label list we have kind of in our heads that we really wanted to get a release on So we were super stoked for that tune once we got the news that they wanted it. And then I would say the actual like performance of it blew us out of the water, yeah. like how well it did on the compilation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably the first song we had that like was really a standout song where like people in the crowd would sing it back to us and shit. And yeah. we were like, oh, damn. <laughs> and I also feel like we kind of discovered a little like thing with like every good release now that like is doing well after we release it we always like start up like a vip of it because we also have like the broadcast vip and like not every time is it like a thing for every like bigger release but and especially obviously not remixes but it's just not a it's not a bad look especially for like labels too you know you could always like have something else come to fruition just because the first song goes well and you have like a cool vip of it you know yeah that was that was definitely a really it was just really so eye-opening yeah. too and i would say too then that's when last summer in summer of 2019 we went to china so it was our first time playing internationally real and that was pretty surreal yeah, yeah. it was just really really cool to see like <laughs> fucking china guys come on the fight the fans are crazy there yeah yeah the fans were crazy the production and like the production value of the whole thing felt like a festival inside Mm -hmm. of a nightclub like insane led screens and shit and lasers and like they took care of us so well and just made sure we had everything we need like it was one of the best shows we played even though we were jet lagged as shit and like 
Yeah. Landed at 6 a.m. Had to play yeah. at like 1 a.m. the next night. Oh shit! Yeah. After like a 16 or 14 hour flight, it was crazy. There's always the the more on a not that it was not that like it was like that much of like a budget show, but the more on a budget you are, you know, if you're a smaller artist, like crazier your travel plans can be, you know. Like <laughs> you that was just the way we had it worked out. Yeah, like. But um, it was a yeah, it was a really cool experience and just so cool. Yeah, very eye opening to see that our music could like take us internationally. Yeah. It felt good to get booked out there. It was like even a headlining show. Yeah. So we had like a like a 20 foot poster of us out in the hallway of the club, right. like outside yeah. and shit. Like they just go so all out and like made sure the room was packed for when we went on and like just very very surreal experience yeah they know what they're doing over there for sure like it was cool you know that's that's so cool though like the two guys the two buddies high school buddies from fucking colorado got their poster in china yeah, it was a cool time, too, because that month we were, like, getting ready for, obviously it was a little ways away, but we were still, like, thinking about, like, Lost Lands in September, and we also had, like, a really big opportunity come our way, like, sometime around then um, to go to Europe with and Cookie Monster, R.I.P., obviously, the goat, but, um, yeah, we went to, like, it was just a cool time that we got to you know, experience playing our first international show and then go to, like, two other countries as well as, like, do a music festival in, like, the same, like, four- or five-month time span. And it was, like, all with, like, bigger artists, especially at the, you know, at Lost Lands, you know, we're just surrounded by, like, all of the people that are, like, make up, like, the dubstep scene, you know? It's literally... It's different than being at a show with, like, a couple... Like, a stacked lineup show in a green room. It's way different than that. It's, like everybody is there and you're kind of uncomfortable like anyways <laughs> but um yeah yeah you're yeah. just like holy shit <laughs> i would say like holy shit that's them yeah i know what you mean literally. Yeah. and but then the, like i would say when we went to no yeah go ahead sorry well no i mean it's crazy i was gonna say like 2019 was huge 2020 like although yeah. you know of course three months into the year things stop but this has been the big pieces guys like it would have been big. I yeah, we won't like say like a bunch. We definitely had like another international like tour like set up, and obviously like this that that show in Miami was gonna be really big because it was just over Miami Music Week and there was gonna probably just be packed places everywhere no matter what genre of music it is and that's a cool vibe just because you have opportunities for like new fans and new people to like hear your music like who knows who's gonna be you know, at Miami Music Week. There's just such a broad audience. And we were just, you know, stoked on all that stuff anyways. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I was supposed to go to Miami cool time. time, and I was so sad. Like, I was going to do Winter Music Conference. I was literally going to, like, bring podcast gear and, like, stop people in their tracks. By yeah. Doing I know, I dude, I just, like, it's it's an energy that you want to experience, and um, yeah. it'll happen again one day, but... And- the last show we played was in Denver, actually, at uh, the Summit. And we had, like, um, Grant there, who does the visuals as well. And he was, like, doing them, like, 
on like an Akai controller like himself as well. Oh, or like hey. us and monks and like monks wanted to like do it on other shows and we were so ready to like have him at like all of our shows and we were trying to like do kind of like what we talked about with the Zed's Dead stuff, like more of an immersive experience and like right. playing a lot more of our own music and we were like really testing some shit out at that show and just testing it and learned a lot and then it just like COVID happened and we were kind of like at that time period really bummed out about that but it was motivating because you know like you said about all the past music releases that we've had we were really excited about what we can do not playing shows you know just trying to like yeah release on as many labels or have our self-releases do as good as they possibly can you know as many people like hear them and whatever you know yeah. i mean you guys have really i mean this still this year diversified right like 2020s spade that Last like bounce with Fun Case, of course, and again R.I.P. to Cookie Monster. That was on Circus, right? Yeah, that was yeah, uh, yeah. sad, bro. Um, but you guys have had yeah. some streaming success this year, like yeah. That's not easy to do in electronic music, right? Because especially for you guys, right? Like you make high energy music that you want to hear live, and it's great to listen to music that you know you might see that weekend. But you guys are still doing yeah. really well. So that's why I truly believe in your guys' music because people who love your music love your music, right? They're not just like, oh, I'm excited to see a dubstep show this weekend or a rhythm show, right? It's right. like, oh, I genuinely love their music. And I think that's yeah. special. I'm sure you guys know yeah. that. It is, that is important, man. Yeah. I would say that's been something, too, that's even kept us going, like, yeah. in the past on multiple occurrences, seeing that, like, in China, the fact that there was even one person there who knew our music was insane. And there were, like, a good handful, maybe, like, 20 people. And then it was incredible, too, just because, like, we're American DJs. They want to see yeah. who it is. Like, they're yeah. they're hyped on it. Like, yeah. And then in Europe, it was just even more surreal because the amount was, like, overwhelming how many people were, like, I've been following you guys for two years now. I can't, I'm so glad you guys came to Budapest. I'm so glad you came to Paris <laughs> and just that whole like vibe. Yeah. Playing like the first night we played with chime and funk case. And, and also that night, two kids in the crowd were like holding up this like sign that says play some stranger twins. And they're like a cool like duo that we found out about, and I guess one of them is um. Do you say it? Holly Hall? I think Hall. Hall. It's like H O L with like, an exclamation point. They're doing like really well right now. We had never heard of them at the time, and, and they we were, were like trying like... to legitimately like read what they were saying because we like really like gave a fuck. We were like these kids are so cool. Like, anyways, <laughs> it was yeah. It was just a very like yeah. It was crazy. Great experience. The second show was in paris with Funkcase and cookie and that was like kind of a cool night because like we just like we had a lot of time that day because yeah. we were just all stuck there together in the same hotel and, and we just were, like, like hanging out with them and... in the with his passing like i've been watching these all these old Funkcase vlogs of just like them touring in the past 10 years and yeah. like just the way that james and tony acted together yeah. was an unreal relationship and something that i'm so lucky we got to see in person that night and then that show was just surreal because we played after cookie who played after funk case so oh. funk case played at like 4 a.m 
Cookie played at 5 a.m. We played at 6, and we were like, oh, my God, it's yeah. going to be so dead. Like, the crowd's going to be probably, like, half yeah, gone. <laughs> Just walk in, and it's a full-ass sweaty room. Yeah. Like, it was sick. Amazing was show. And then, and then we, like, after, the, after we played, we probably, like, hung out in the venue for, like, 30 minutes an hour. And even when we left at, like, 7 in the morning, it was still just a packed fucking yeah. room. Like, it was an insane energy. And then the first night, actually, or I think it was either the first night or the last night, but we got to play a back-to-back with Funk Case for a little bit, which was yeah. really cool. And just, like, a bucket list experience in that regard. That was the first night, I think. Yeah, yeah. the first night. And yeah. then... It was really cool. Yeah, it was a, and then we had like a week off in Budapest, and at that point, it was just to a lot of like surreal. It's just taking it in was kind yeah. of surreal. The fact that like, damn, we're in another country. We had to go do laundry because like, oh man, we have crazy. Yeah, pictures, just but like... I, I get like sweaty on stage, man. Like, <laughs> especially in some of those sweat box venues that they had oh, in France, yeah, like. Of I'm not even kidding you, dude, like, soaked. And, like, I just put them in, like, a dirty laundry bag that you get at the hotel that they have in the closet. Right. And I just accumulated sweaty clothes. And then we got to Budapest, we have a week off, and I, like, opened it. <laughs> and, like, he opened his, too. And it was just, like, smelled so bad. And then we're, like, walking into, like, laundry places, and, like, no one, like, wants to take our clothes because, like, they smell so bad. And then we had to go to, but we like, we found, like, a laundromat that was, like, self-service. But it was just, like, cool stuff like that. I feel like Budapest is one of those cities where you can try so many different, like, types of good food. Like, Turkish, Italian, yeah. German, um, obviously, Hungarian. And then, you know, just tons of, like, countries that surround that area. And it was just, like, yeah, it was a really cool experience. I feel like in China, it was kind of just, like little time like lots of shit to do and then like when we went to like europe we were kind of like more seasoned and like comfortable with the whole like process of like traveling internationally too so we just like had so much better time we obviously like had less time the first day we got in after a long flight so it was nice to just like play right away and then go to sleep but that's amazing yeah it was yeah it's been cool too just being in a duo too like you know, like you said, like two friends from high school, like we yeah, help each other out when we're like traveling or like if one of us is like tired, it's just nice to have like someone else there, you know, to like grab you an orange juice. I don't know. Yeah. Wake you up. Make <laughs> yeah. sure you're literally like I'd literally, say legitimately even even just encountering things that were like, what is this? Like yeah. we're in a third we're in like not a third world country. We're in a yeah. foreign country where we like are just so unfamiliar with the culture and things that could be as normal as like getting money out from an ATM or doing laundry. Like it's nice that we have each other to walk around on the street with when we're trying to figure out if someone speaks English or like <laughs> yeah, find an ATM. Like it's, I love that. Guy. It definitely makes the travel part a lot easier having another person. Sure. I mean, it's, it's obvious I've been talking to you guys. You both wear your heart on your sleeve. So you guys combined are uh, very genuine. And I can just imagine you guys walking around being like, so uh, what type of food is this? Should we try? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, I yeah. Love that, well, honestly, like, what have been some of your favorite shows? You, you mentioned all these places. Are there any, like, just low-key spots or your biggest? Or is it different for you guys both? 
but one of of course having your different experiences. Um, I'm gonna say we'll both answer. You can go first. Um, I don't know. I think it was really cool getting to play Space Yacht in Los Angeles, just because. I don't know. I fuck. Like, I feel like. Uh yeah, that's Sound Nightclub, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, sick, right? I don't know. I feel like when you see like uh. Just older like shows in the 80s and stuff like in hollywood and stuff like that like it's always like this big like hype thing and i felt like space yacht for a long time was always like that thing of like new and upcoming talent kind of kind of seeing space yacht grow too from when we first moved to icon and it was like not at sound nightclub but it moved venues every week and like or not every week but it was like smaller venues they were changing more frequently it was free there was the first space shot I went to was like Snails Virtual Riot, Barely Alive. Jesus. Just like an insane lineup for zero dollars that but I also, didn't even know I was going to. And then seeing that like culture immerse through them, putting on all these cool shows, it was so sick to while living like just be part of that. Multiple yeah. times too. We played it two times and it was great both experiences. They also kind of have the cap on like up and coming talent like at some point is going to be in Los Angeles and when they are they play Space Yacht and like people kind of know by like watching on social media if someone's like in LA and then it's like Space Yacht's happening and they like post a flyer or something or whatever like something like that and it's just cool to see like and be a part of like, oh yeah, you guys want to play Space Yacht like tonight, and like that's how it kind of works, and like yeah. people just show up and. And I think the, the first time we played Space Yacht too was, like right kind of in the middle of when we were doing this monks tour, this World of Wong tour, mm-hmm. and it was like pretty much every weekend we were playing a show and flying out somewhere, and then just on like one of the Tuesdays in between. I think it was actually the week before we had our L.A. World of Wong show. And it was just like, oh, you want to play Space Yacht tonight? (laughs) And it ended up working so well. And it was like, yeah, seriously, one of the best energy shows we've ever had. I just remember that I was so sweaty and like so hot that I was like, I think I might pass out. Like 10 minutes in, I was like, Duke, if I have to like leave the stage and go get water really quick, like... (laughs) You're going to keep going. We'll be good. <laughs> but it was such a end. I think that first time, too, actually, I'm pretty sure Funkcase was in town. So he was like, yeah, he was like chilling, there. hanging out. And just all the people who Unmasked. would always be there was such a cool like environment to see. Like people even joke about it and shit that the VIP area is just like almost more crowded than the crowd, even. Yeah. Because it's just like, but it's like, like t- like real ass people, you know, you're like you're crowded in with like all the disciple dudes, virtual, yeah. Right? yeah, like and all like... the disciple dudes always. And then we'd see like our teacher Leo Corson in there. He was actually there when we played the first time, and he didn't even know we were playing. And he was like, "Wow, I'm so proud of you guys." <laughs> but yeah, it was just like that yeah, was yeah. That those was... are always like special because like you really like i hate to like always like go back to like icon but i just remember my frame of mind was always like looking up to like shit like that because it's right in front of your face like you could go and see it if you wanted to and a lot of kids at icon did go out on the weekends and i feel like me and luke kind of like didn't do that as much but like always kind of like fantasized about it and it's just like always cool to be a part of it so i would say too thinking back on it like probably that paris show with cookie and funk case was 
another special just player. yeah really and obviously because of playing with them and their legends but the fact that like it was in paris it was such a pair like what you would think of as a paris club that plays dubstep like yeah. fucking grimy <laughs> cigarette smoke sweaty, yeah. sweaty. come outside someone's like, like drilling i walked in there and the my glasses just fogged up like it was like you just insane and yeah that was a very like intimate low ceiling club too and i think those shows are always really special where it's like you are face to face with the crowd nearly. Yeah. Um, Lost Lands was really special too, just because it was our first ever like big festival. It was for the DPMO thing. Yeah. It was quite the like travel experience. We had to leave at five in the morning the day we played to arrive at like five p.m. after connecting flights in Ohio, Jesus. and then played at one in the morning to like close out because we were playing the sound camps and it was like the dpmo sound camp so just a crazy lineup like yeah ominous blood thinners savage society guys and then we had to fly out at four or like 4 35 a.m so pretty much had to leave the festival to go to the airport to then fly from ohio to new york have like a two-hour layover and then hit a New York to LA flight, yeah, like a really long, and then arrive time. back in LA at like eight p.m. Yeah. Like well, it was the, it was such a long yeah. day. We don't want to make anyone look bad. We were just kind of like in a position where the way we and we were just learning this right. Like that's the thing. It was our first music festival, and like yeah. you had to like pay for a hotel that you got discounted as an artist but you had to do it like way in advance and we we knew that but we just passed on it obviously and like because we were like oh do we need a hotel we're gonna we're gonna be out of the festival (laughs) his girlfriend also was gonna be well was there with like some friends at the time so we thought maybe we'd stay with them and we were like oh we'll be able to put our stuff in like your thing or whatever and then it's like we you know didn't get a hotel and booked our flights so that way we wouldn't need one but it was like just looking like, back yeah, we probably a, would have wanted to go to the festival trip. the first day enjoy it those yeah. two days be able to rest up in yeah. our hotel room and shower before our set and then chill and not Just have a flight out at 4 a.m yeah. like well, yeah. that's part of the learning for sure yeah but it was a, it was a fucking <laughs> awesome experience also, just feel like it was like a bit like more awkward than normal green rooms, to be honest. Like you're, yes, you're surrounded by all these cool people. I talked to this guy who's done like excisions, like PK sound, like head, like board, basically ran like his sound system for like the past like ten years or something, which is insane to talk to a guy like that, right? But yeah, you're in these like little like trailers, kind of like you have at school, that are emptied out and kind of like made to look like all cute, but like. <laughs> They're, like, hot as fuck and, like, small and, like, everybody wants to be in one. And they actually don't, like, have everybody their own one. So, like, you just kind of, like, trade in and out when, like, someone's about to play. They, like, occupy one and it's all set up and scheduled. And you'd be in one for, like, someone's, like, period of time just, like, sitting there. And, like, you know, it's just a it's just a different experience, you know. It's very routine when you show up to a show. You get there, like, about a couple hours before you and play. And you're just and surrounded by all these people. Like, I don't even want to say starstruck because everyone is just a fucking human. But, like, yeah. 
it it is just so crazy when you're like damn i'm i was like having this conversation with my parents about being like celebrity struck and i was like at hard summer when i saw skrillex come out on stage that was like the most like starstruck i've been because it's almost like i've seen this person that i know through videos and shit but they're in real life right and they're like actually a human in front of me and it was almost like lost lands was that times just every single artist who was there right and like it was nice i'd say it is awesome too that we did have like a good amount of mutual friends and artists there like all the dpmo guys we knew before lost lands and like James and Cookie we'd hung out with, so it wasn't as, like, oh, hi, I'm, like, hello, good to meet you, Excision, like, yeah, but hi. It, it was just, <laughs> everybody's like, and then, then it's, like, you're with, like, I, you know, I couldn't remember which, like, DJs were next to us, but you're with, like, other artists that are, like, kind of like you, you know, like, right. someone you're, I hate to compare everything to, like, followers and size, but whatever, like, someone in our position, next yeah. to us also trying to say hi to him like you have a swarm of like like you know i don't know it's just interesting yeah, no. <laughs> yeah it's, it's just slander really... boys everybody's trying to say hi to them and i and think like, like it would be in yeah. that regard too that's where kind of looking back we do wish we would have had a few more days yeah. just to kind of hang out and like just have a home bait like a, like we weren't we were kind of uncomfortable because we knew we didn't have a hotel we didn't have like a place to go we didn't yeah. like Why you know with the yeah. green room it's kind of easier because you can at least sit on a couch but like and we even like, like the preconceived thought of being like okay well we're gonna play this set and then after we don't have anywhere to shower and we're gonna have to go like change shirts and get on a flight and go to new york yeah. and then go to la is like and yeah. it was so funny because we literally got on our flight and there was like so many people from lost lands we uh we saw like cod dubs uh this dude had like a dinosaur costume and like just didn't give a fuck like, still had it on like put the seatbelt on and i'm just like this is the coolest boy ever like <laughs> everyone just so slumped from the three-day festival <laughs> yeah right. the secure you're walking in the security is like oh you're like, you're from the festival too huh? it took over <laughs> the city dude like it, it honestly it's what you expect when it it's comes quite the experience festival. yeah like i can only imagine what edc is like on the vegas strip you know like not that <laughs> You see happens on the Vegas Strip, but like people stay there in the hotels and they party and like I don't know, it's just crazy to see everything, you know. Jesus, man. That was a great, great answer. I mean, this <laughs> is like the pinnacle of. I mean, I guess. I mean, do you guys think like Los exactly Angeles is the I, a movement of dubstep? You know, like it's. I weird, would say you know? for yeah, for I the guess. dubstep and like heavy bass culture, I think it's literally the place to be in that regard. And I guess our goal would be to kind of like get out of the sound camps, and not in a bad way. Like we were actually so happy to be at Lost Lands, especially for fun cases like Sound Camp, where like this is dope. Like he picked good artists, and like we're all. Like, it was happy almost to be here. cooler than it would have been if we were just booked for the sound camps yeah. independently. It was like, damn, we're part of this EPMO thing. Yeah, like, like this is James sick. wants us there. Like it's not just like you know some random thing and then it's just like we realized that like you know like every release that we have we want it to be better than the last one like you know we don't want we want to come back and play like maybe a set like kind of during the daytime that's part of the live stream and like you know establish more of our own name because like that's uh, that's the end goal right like you know especially going back to like that said dead stuff like just 
when they play like it's just kind of like a really big like experience you know we want to play lost lands enough times that we can then have our own sound camps yeah and bring artists <laughs> yeah, i can't exactly. believe it's dead festival yet i'm like shocked oh, oh yeah. yeah dead rocks actually people would yeah, argue yeah. well the thing that. is it's like nothing at nothing at red rocks is treated like a music festival people go to their houses they like they leave morrison and then come back to kind of like there's yeah, not really there's like not any on ground camping. Stuff, yeah. you know, it's not like, like and there's really only one stage too, pretty much that you can really like take advantage of. But they do do a really good job with like stuff like that, and I think it, I don't know, especially for Zed's Dead to have any type of like thing. I think they did it right, not expanding too much. But I, like you're saying now, they probably should like expand even more to having like some type of like Dead Rocks like yeah. music festival in other places, you know. Zed's Dead to me, actually, when I first really started getting into electronic music, uh, I think I was a, a junior in high school, and it was Dead Mouse, and then Skrillex came out with Scary Monsters, and I got really into that. And then Zed's Dead, kind of in, in the interim there, I think I was a freshman in college, went to see them in a small venue in Indianapolis. And that was when uh, Coffee Break had just come out, and this was, goddamn, I'm old, but I think it must have been 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. I, I love that. And I went to, I think, nine De Zed's Dead shows in three years or something like that. And I yeah. think big in Chicago. You guys know how big they are in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Two nights at Aragon Ballroom, both nights after shows at Concord. I mean, fucking shit. Yeah. So I, I brought that up because you guys, to me, you guys can do something just like them. Maybe even bigger and better. Just, like, keep doing your thing because... They they prove that, and so many others prove too, right? I think uh, you talked about Icon a lot. Of course, somebody PD Clicks, right? One of the night base guys. He's he's there all the time. AC Slater is proved. I think he just celebrated five years of night base. Five years ago, nobody gave a flying fuck about night base, dude. Now mm -hmm. there's night base festivals. So it's just literally thing, right? And it's yeah, hard, for real. hard because I think it's 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 incredible. You guys have had success, but you've had some ups and downs course right yeah sure. persistence is key literally yeah. just never stopping you know never stop i was gonna my question was gonna be what advice do you have to people that you know at your guys level you've had success you've had failures what would you say to people that are maybe were in your position like you were in 2016 2017 to try and work hard especially like if you have an idea of what you want to do i felt like i spent a lot of time in like high school especially kind of waiting on what I wanted to do, like, I was, like, still doing, like, sports and all this, like, weird stuff, like, all, not that sports are weird, but, like, I was doing all types of stuff, and I should have just, like, kind of thrown everything to the curb and really, like, put my head down with music, but I kind of only did that the last six months of high school, and I don't know, it's just, like, that's, that through and through has always been, like, people's kind of, like, secret weapon is, like, working hard i feel like is yeah and i would say too like if you do know that it's that is what you want to do just give it literally everything you can and don't really worry about like the timeline to be completely honest because if you do look at it and break it down like on this subsidiary release like we're an up-and-coming artist per se i feel yeah. like more or less and even in the grand scheme of things like we're like up and coming and we're five years deep into it almost like 
So it's just like I, w- I would say don't worry about comparing yourself and just give it all you got because you never really do know. Like at that same time, there's so many producers out there right now who are like 15 to 17 years old and just smashing it, like yeah. making insane music. Insane. So I would say like and it it makes me look back and if i could like talk to like 15 16 year old me i'd be like focus literally what duke said like focus all your attention into this and it's obviously so much easier said than done mm-hmm. but like if you truly want to make it happen look at the things you can do to make that happen mm-hmm. like look at if schooling like icon or something similar is an option like do something like that invest your off time into like youtube tutorials there's just so much out there that is accessible for people to learn that i think if you truly do like really want it you could within a year start from scratch and end up like producing songs that are good enough to make some noise and like versa is a great example of that like not even in that specific time frame, but in like a very short amount of time and he's not been producing for too long has made just like insane leaps and makes music where like now Funk Case plays out like four or five versus songs a set mm-hmm. and people are just asking for it. And he's built up a following just off of that. And like a chaos, more kismet, all these artists who are like under 20 years old, and some of them even younger, like more kismet is fifteen and just what? they're smashing it. Like just insane music, insane vision for the project, insane level of maturity for that age. Yeah. But I really do think that like if you think that you wanna do it and you're taking strides in the right direction, yeah. giving it all your like everything you have will never hurt and then you look back and you can't like regret it i think that's been a a mindset that's made me make a lot of decisions like even going to icon i just knew that if i went to a four-year school out of high school i would look back and think like damn i could have went to icon and could have and who knows what would have happened and then now looking back when we're in like china or europe i'm just like holy shit I got to follow my gut all the time because now we're literally like doing something that would have been unimaginable if I went to college. Like I'd still be in college, just have graduated college. There's no way I would have been (laughs) in fucking Europe or China. Like, so I would just say giving it everything is the key. And sticking with like a decision too. I feel like I used to want to be like, like I was all into like house music and stuff and like wanted to like do that. And then I was kind of, like, listening to, like, house music and trying to, like, make that, but also, like, like, also learning how to make dubstep, which is weird, and, like, DJing a lot of dubstep. And I feel like, you know, you have guys like Squinto who got really big at, like, just, like, chopping stuff up, and I kind of, like, wanted to do something like that at one point, but then I wanted to be, like, a house artist, but then I also wanted to just, like, produce, like, dubstep, but I feel like any of the ones that I would have just stuck with would have, like, worked, right? But, like that's what's been successful for us is like we've just like had each other and stuck with stuck like with the vision, our vision yeah. yeah and it's a big deal you know like it's I know. weird i i love i love that and and 
that's such a great response because it is it is the what you would think is the simple truth, but it is the fact of the matter, yeah. right? It's like you believe in something, you go for it. It's great to hear feedback, but take everything too seriously, and you're gonna do something that you didn't want to do, right? Because there are so many producers nowadays that change lanes because there's a trend or there's a fad, and they want to follow that, and they want to get a beatport top 100, or they want to be on some spot. Absolutely. Well, what's going to happen to you five years from then when you really never really liked making that music and you thought, well, this is my chance to get big. It's all about longevity, right, boys? It is all about exactly yeah. a long period of time. I mean, a lot of the guys you're talking about, they're in their 30s, 40s right now, right? Late 20s. Oh, yeah, exactly. I've been doing it for 10 plus years. And, like, that's the thing. It's, it's just crazy how, yeah, it takes time and persistence, like... That's, not, that's all there is to it. You love it along the way, it's not so bad, right? And yeah. if you got a buddy that you can always get high with and have a good time, that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, I want to come hang out with you guys for real. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. We'll definitely be out in Chicago sometime pretty soon, hopefully. Sounds good, guys. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person then, but this has been so much fun in the meantime. Yeah, thank you so much.